Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to another special series on the Compliance Podcast Network of Adventures in Compliance. First, a word from our sponsor, the Compliance Masterclass. Are you interested in the most comprehensive compliance training class around? If you want to hear from a true subject matter expert in the nuts and bolts of compliance, then my Doing Compliance Masterclass training is the compliance training class for you. It is unlike any other class being offered. The Compliance Masterclass is not theory or analytical underpinnings of the FCPA. The focus of the Compliance Masterclass is on the operationalization of compliance, for it is only in the doing of compliance that companies have a real chance of avoiding FCPA liability. I hope you will consider my Doing Compliance Masterclass. The next class will be held in New York City on November 12th and 13th. For more information, check out my site, www.fcpacompliancereport.com. Over the next five podcasts in the Adventures in Compliance series, we're going to take a look at compliance issues through the lens of Sherlock Holmes novels. So we're going to start with The Hound of the Baskervilles and 90 Days to Innovation. We're going to take a look at Sign of Four and Innovation. We're going to consider the Valley of Fear and Virtual Teams. And finally, A Study in Scarlet and Using Power. We're going to conclude this week's special series with a few thoughts of Sherlock Holmes as a teacher. I hope that you will enjoy adventures in compliance and will find them useful in your compliance practice going forward. Adventures in Compliance is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. The Sign of Four and Innovation. In this podcast, we honor Conan Doyle's second Sherlock Holmes novel, The Sign of Four. The novel was published in 1890, but the story is set in 1888. The story entails a complex plot involving service in the East India Company, the Indian Rebellion of 1857, a stolen treasure, and a secret pact among four convicts and two corrupt prison guards. It presents the detective's drug habit and humanizes him in a way that had not been done by Doyle previously. It also has a rather happy ending as it introduces us to Dr. Watson's future wife, Mary Morstan, to whom he proposes at the end of the novel. The Sign of Four was an intricate tale with many strands woven throughout. It is an excellent introduction into a, or rather the topic of innovation, and around an article in the Harvard Business Review entitled, Leading Your Team into the Unknown. I found some of the insights from the article useful for a CCO who may be faced with implementing or enhancing a compliance solution for an organization. But equally interesting were the author's insights that could also help a CCO or compliance practitioner move a compliance function down into the DNA of an organization to make a compliance make compliance more of a standardized, standardized process for actually operationalizing compliance. Innovation is at heart a process of discovery, so the role of a person leading it is to set other people down a path, not to short-circuit it by jumping to conclusions right at the start. To lead innovations, you don't have to be the next Steve Jobs, nor do you need to guess the future. Rather, you must carve out the mental space within which the innovation process can be carried out. How can you do so? 
by setting first by setting the expectation that innovation will push boundaries. Fashion designers often include very bold designs in their lines to inspire customers to try more flamboyant styles. However, in compliance, you really do not need to go that far. You can just push boundaries as dramatically by demonstrating a willingness to reimagine some of your organization's most fundamental assumptions about products, customers, and business models. For the CCO, I think this means that innovation in the compliance function requires a different approach to leadership than the standard command and control or even collaborative approach. For a successful CCO, this is accomplished by leading compliance integration into the DNA of a company through example and simply not diktat. By asking questions rather than making decisions, clearing a path to the unknown for innovation, teams rather than identifying the end goal, and giving people the right kind of time, the right constraints, and the right tools to come up with a solution. Innovation leaders can create a sustainable competitive advantage, not through the superiority of a particular invention, but by creating an organization that can do learn from mistakes faster, more efficiently, and more consistently than competitors do. So how can you do so? Well, uh, I'm going to lay out four points for your consideration. Number one, generate ideas. Using questioning, observations, and networking skills to search far and wide for insights and ideas into problems that may be worth solving. A CCO can push compliance boundaries just dramatically by demonstrating a willingness to reimagine some of your organization's most fundamental assumptions about products, customers, and your business model. But it means getting out there and seeking input from those outside your direct compliance function. Two, identify an important problem. Through direct observation, look for unsolved problems or an unfulfilled emotional societal need that enough people have the opportunity for that it will be worth pursuing. This means giving your team an opportunity to synthesize the issues. You will need to dedicate both resources and time to the process to run its course. And I recognize that all corporate employees have a day job and particularly CCOs and compliance practitioners. So you'll need to set aside specific time for such issue identification. In addition, to, in addition to providing resources and time, you will need to provide your innovation team support by removing the inevitable organizational barriers that will be thrown up in your path. Three, develop the solution. You should construct prototypes. So rather than building a complete compliance solution quickly, construct a set of simple prototypes of many different compliance tools. For each, start with a theoretical example. If that looks promising internally, move to a virtual prototype to test throughout the pre-selected business unit or business process. Start with a visual representation, which could be just a drawing. Next, move to testing a minimum viable, viable prototype with internal consumers of your compliance solution through the simplest, quickest, physical version of the offering you can come up with. Finally, pilot test the full-blown compliance solution with a wider audience, including trusted and integral third parties to your organization. And finally, number four, devise the business model. Once you have worked out the offering, apply the same experimental approach to developing and testing the components of the business model, including approaches to implementation. There are three values to such an approach. First, you will have generated insight value, the insight into the unknown that comes from reducing uncertainty. Second, the option value, which is resolving an unknown to pursue, alter, and abandon a course of action. And three is strategic value, 
which is the value derived from both your internal compliance consumers, but also the knowledge you have gained throughout the process of the project. What worked and what didn't work, and most importantly, why? As a lawyer who's moved in compliance, I initially thought that the anti-corruption compliance function literally uh, was a function of telling everyone the rules and having them followed. But I now know this is sadly not the case. However, there are some companies that are still at this stage of compliance. But one of the most overriding themes from both the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission, as they have communicated to us over the years, uh, is that your compliance function must continually evolve. It must certainly evolve as your corruption risks that your company encounters develops. But it also should mature as your compliance program grows and becomes more ingratiated and ingrained in your organization. Innovation is not a concept that comes naturally to lawyers who are generally trained to study the past by reading case law precedent and apply it going forward. The idea of innovation simply does not jive with what many lawyers believe should be a static set of rules and regulations that business should operate under. However, as compliance moves into the next phase, becomes more fully operationalized, and a best practice of a business process, innovation will become more of a focus. This structure I have talked about in this podcast lays out a way for you to think through simply innovating. I hope you'll join me for our next episode where we will discuss the Valley of Fear and virtual teams in compliance. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Adventures in Compliance on the intersection of Sherlock Holmes and the compliance function. If you're interested in the top compliance masterclass, I hope you'll plan to join me in New York on November 12 and 13. Adventures in Compliance has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.